My name is Will Appleby, and this is Animal Matters. On today's show, the Ministry for Primary Industries has released the Michael Heron QC report, which was commissioned as a result of the missing live export ship, which capsized and sunk in the East China Sea. The recommendations don't go far enough, which isn't really all that surprising. And I'm joined by Lindley Tullock, an academic and animal rights activist, to discuss the animal welfare implications of the dairy industry. Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation. As always, we're here to open up for discussion the key issues facing animals. We bring you the latest news and commentary every fortnight with a focus on the exploitation of animals. Animal Matters is also on Patreon. You can support the show by heading to patreon.com forward slash animal matters and making a monthly pledge. Patrons can unlock bonus content and get early access to new episodes before they're released. If you're listening in New Zealand, then you'll be well aware that we had an election last weekend and the results were pretty historic. The Labour Party won a landslide. Their share of the vote gives them 64 seats in Parliament, meaning Jacinda Ardern can form a majority government without the need of support from other parties. For those outside of New Zealand, this may not seem like much, but this is the first time a single party has been in the position to form a majority government since 1993. That's because in 1996 we moved to a proportional voting system called MMP and every government formed since has required some kind of coalition arrangement between multiple parties. Most people assumed Labour would need the support of the Green Party to form the next government, which would give the Greens an opportunity to get Labour to agree to some progressive policies. The situation we have now though is that Labour can kind of do whatever they want. Negotiations, or conversations, are underway between the two parties to see how they could cooperate, and we're still waiting on special votes to be counted which will determine the final allocation of seats in Parliament. The Greens and Labour are likely to pick up a seat or two with special votes, but Labour are unlikely to lose their majority. We're in this weird kind of phase where there's not a lot to report on in terms of politics, because the details of these discussions being had between the Greens and Labour are closely guarded secrets. It's actually quite funny watching reporters try to squeeze details of those conversations out of the leadership of both parties. One thing is for certain though, is Labour have a very strong mandate to deliver on their policy platforms and promises. They don't have New Zealand First acting as the so-called handbrake, nor do they need to consult with any other party. In terms of animal welfare, there's a lot to do. Prior to the 2017 general election, Labour promised to ban some of the cruelest aspects of rodeo, as well as the caging of hens. In recent weeks, Jacinda Ardern has stated multiple times that she has significant concerns about live export, an issue that's gained a massive amount of attention following the capsize and sinking of Gulf Livestock 1. Labour can really get things done now, and there's no more excuses. It's pretty common knowledge that Fridays are always a slow news day. It's also the best day to announce bad news, if you want that news to fly under the radar. Well, last Friday, the Ministry for Primary Industries did just that when they dropped the Michael Heron QC review, which the Ministry commissioned following the loss of 5,800 New Zealand cattle on the Gulf Livestock 1. 
The review was to look at the animal welfare assurances MPI receives from exporters before approving export certificates. The scope of the review was very narrow and focused only on live export voyages. It's expected that the broader live export review, which began in July last year, would look at the overall animal welfare implications of the live export trade. The Heron report made some recommendations, some of which MPI will implement immediately, others at a later date. The changes are tinkering around the edges, which is unsurprising considering the narrow scope of the review. The immediate changes include focused maritime inspection of live export vessels, restricting stocking density on vessels to 90% of current limits, increased requirements for voyage reporting, which includes daily reports during voyages, and increased minimum fodder requirements that ensures at least 20% of feed is available for unplanned delays during the voyage. None of the recommendations will address the core issue, which is what happens to these animals in their destination country. All animals exported for breeding purposes will eventually be slaughtered, potentially by methods that have been outlawed in New Zealand. That's because all countries we export live animals to have lower animal welfare standards. There's currently about 24,000 cows in quarantine due to be exported on four shipments. SAFE understands that the livestock vessel Yangtze Fortune is due to arrive in Napier on November 3. The temporary ban has now been lifted and exporters now have the green light to start moving animals onto ships, subject to approval from the Director General of MPI. There's little appetite, though, to allow this trade to continue. If the new Labour-led government doesn't ban live export, they will be completely misreading the mood of the nation. October is World Veg Month, and this October, SAFE is campaigning to get Kiwis to ditch dairy by signing up to the Dairy Free Challenge. For part three of our chats about the impacts of dairy this month, I sat down with Lindley Tullock, an academic and animal rights activist, who has rescued a number of bobby calves with the Starfish Bobby Calf Project. My full name is Lindley Tullock and I specialise in education for sustainability and early childhood education as well. I do research which is principally critical discourse analysis. So this month, we've put a bit of a focus on the dairy industry on the show this month, and we've discussed the health effects and environmental problems caused by dairy. But I want to focus on the the animal cruelty side of the industry today, um, which I know you've had a little bit of exposure to. What is your perspective of of the dairy industry? The animal cruelty implications for the from the dairy industry are huge, uh, and that is systematic cruelty. So what that means is that um, it's it's built into the very way that dairy operates, and it's not so much that you're looking at individual acts of cruelty or individualised acts of, of cruelty to do with breaches of animal welfare, which can and do happen, but the institutionalised cruelty, more broadly speaking, refers to the way in which um, animals such as bobby calves have to be killed in, in enormous numbers in order for the dairy industry to profit. Um, and the other um, things about animal cruelty to do with dairy industry include the domestication of cows so that they become increasingly capable of producing um, 
quantities of milk which are far in excess of what they would produce in the natural if they were left in the natural world. Um, so we have particular breeds of dairy cows who become very proficient at producing milk, which can lead to medical issues such as engorged udders and mastitis, which we know that they suffer from. There's also lameness of dairy cows. There's um, the, the issue that dairy cows become overworked because they're producing a cow every single year and, um, and having to produce milk on a continual basis, they become quite worn out. It's, it's a huge effort on their bodies. So the animal cruelty I like to think of in terms of how it is institutionalised uh, a lot of people think about dairy and they think, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with it because the cows would um, need to be milked, otherwise it's cruel not to milk them, which is an understandable perspective, except the cows don't naturally have milk. The only reason they have milk is because they've produced a calf and um, they need to produce a calf every year in order for that milk to um, continue to flow in the quantities that the farmers need for, their, for the business to be profitable. So those are some of the key issues to do with um, so animal cruelty within dairy. So you, you've been involved in the past um, with rescue and rehoming of bobby calves. What's the the issue that the dairy industry has with bobby calves? You've, you've touched on it already that they obviously have to be produced every year to produce milk, right? So essentially what happens is that there are close to um, 5 million dairy cows in New Zealand um, and every one of those um, that is in producing um, milk needs to be put in calf every year. And um, the farmers don't necessarily need the calves for replacement herd. A certain amount of those calves will be kept for replacement, but the rest of them become superfluous or unnecessary for business. And so they need to be gotten rid of um, either through selling them on for um, beef production, which does happen, um, some of them may go for um, in, back into the herd. I think it's around a quarter, about 25% of the calves go back into the herd. But the rest um, are, are not necessary for for production. So they a lot of them get sent on the bobby truck to be killed. And in New Zealand, we know about 1.9 million of bobby calves get killed every single year. So that's an enormous amount of bobby calves. And they're getting processed in heavy numbers during particular seasons. So although bobby calves are generally now we've got sort of year-round calving in New Zealand, it is sort of quite heavily um, uh sort of happening in a particular season, which is usually around uh, um, May, June, July and August and into September. So right through that period, you have enormous quantities of bobby calves and farmers just can't cope with the um, numbers. They can't keep them on the farm <laughs> because they would eat the grass that is meant for the dairy cows to produce the milk. So if they can't find, if they can't sell them on or rehome them, then they get sent to the works. And, and killed the freeze the slaughterhouse and killed, and they are killed at um, between four to ten days of age. They um, get transported uh, from the farm to the slaughterhouse, which is highly stressful for bobby calves. Uh, if we're talking in terms of animal cruelty, the reason why this is stressful is because bobby calves are neonatal mammals and they're highly programmed by nature to stay close to their mothers and suckle from them. When they're removed from their mothers, they will experience stress and they don't have that protective, um, that 
protection around them, which all young mammals um, are strongly uh, designed to to need and to want. So they get separated. They um, from the age of four days of age, um, they are allowed to go on the bobby track. And the animal welfare regulations say that they need to be healthy, uh, that they need to have um, firm hooves and be standing on um, on all fours. And so if they're healthy, they get put on the bobby truck and they're supposed to be fed before they leave the farm. But it is legally they're allowed um, to go 24 hours without any food before they after they leave the farm and to the time that they are slaughtered, which is an extremely long period of time for an animal who is not long out of the womb to go without any feed at all. If you liken that to, say, um, a human baby who who we know newborn human babies suckle a lot, um, the same thing happens with calves. I mean, the, the milk um, is digested within four hours and then they're hungry again and they're needing to feed. And the suckling and being close to the mother is is part of their feeling of security and comfort. And um, by taking them away from their mother, putting them on a truck and sending them to the slaughterhouse, them not having any food for 24 hours, legally they're allowed uh, eight hours on, on the truck as well, which is a heck of a long time. So legally we are taking away from calves um, the, the five freedoms, um, the freedom to express natural behaviours is one of those uh, we take away from them during that time. So I consider that there are many implications of animal cruelty associated with bobby calves that are sent to the slaughterhouse. And in and previous times, those, especially when we had much less intensive dairy farming, those bobby calves may well have been dealt with on the farm, but in more recent years, especially over the last couple of decades, we, you know, have these these services set up that take bobby calves away. And I I, mean, I, I read a, a passage that you wrote. I think it was for a, a blog for our website where you said you would pay more for a flat white than you would for a low weight bobby calf because they essentially get paid a, a dollar for these for these bobby calves. Even less now. I read something recently that that price has collapsed because there's just no economic value to it. And that's essentially it, right? They're, they're considered a waste product by the industry. That's exactly right. They're a waste. They are considered, they aren't, but they are considered a waste product. That's 100% right. Um, and a, and a, one of the misconceptions around bobby calves is that um, it's only the boy calves that go. Uh, there are many, many girl calves that go as well. So um, the, any calf that is not needed uh, for reproduction on the farm or can't be sold on for meat production is uh, considered um, not a, a, way, a waste product. So, yeah, I mean, there's no other way to put it. You can try and sugarcoat it or the dairy industry can try and sugarcoat it as much as they like, um, but the reality, the cold, hard reality, is that the dairy industry is shipping off 1.8 million to 2 million calves every single year to their deaths before they've even reached the age of 10 days. And, um, you know, I can imagine that this is quite a horrifying ordeal for calves on many levels. And I think it's unacceptable in a country that claims to have high animal welfare standards that this cruelty is allowed to continue year after year. Previously, a few years ago, you established the Starfish 
Bobby Calf Projects. What motivated you to, to start this organisation? So Starfish Bobby Calf Project was um, born out of a desire to actually raise awareness around the cruelty associated with dairy. I don't believe for a second that any sanctuary can even hope to touch the touch any level of um solution in terms of bobby calves. That's not what the sanctuary was set up for. It was set up to sort of showcase these animals as living sentient beings who have a who who have a life and do not want to lose that life essentially. Um, that by killing them we are um, we're actually essentially um, bringing bringing into into the world these beings just in order for their mothers to produce milk and then they're killed but actually they're living beings that have a whole life ahead of them of about 25 years um that has been actually taken from them so and they're marvelous animals and i think any dairy farmer will tell you that 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 loves their cows and i and i you know use the word love like that. i do believe i i haven't got a, a problem in terms of dairy farmers per se it's more the industry that that i have an issue with i i have met many wonderful dairy farmers i might be going a bit off track here um but with my um starfish bobby calf project i've met many dairy farmers and have have long conversations with them and it became you know very apparent to me that dairy farmers care a lot for their animals and in general many of them um, like to see that their calves go to homes where they're going to be cared for and, and loved. Um, they don't actually particularly want to send them off to the slaughterhouse. It's a cold, hard reality of the dairy industry that they have to go there. Of course, there are dairy farmers who um, are not practising good animal welfare um, standards, um, but in general, the ones that I have met um, look after their animals while they have them in their care very well. Um, the reality is, though, that they do have to send them off for slaughter. And so I wanted to highlight that through opening up the Starfish Bobby Calf Project. I, I called it the project as opposed to a sanctuary because it was more of a form of vegan activism as opposed to a animal sanctuary. Um, what I did was I rescued calves and then found homes for them to go to after I had um, raised them so that they were very healthy and they had everything done to them that needed to ensure their success as pets on lifestyle blocks. Um, and I've managed to find some very good homes for those calves and I still have some in my direct care at the moment. And I love them so much. They're, they're very, they make wonderful um companion animals if you want to call them that and I know that's not necessarily something that um, is particularly vegan to have companion animals but we live in the real world and the real world domesticated animals um, cannot survive in the wild so the best outcome for these animals is to be um, cared for and loved uh, and 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 have and be listened to you know they develop really good routines um, if you care for them properly and and you can give them a certain level of agency that they wouldn't otherwise have if they were in a farm situation. Um, so Starfish Bobby Calf Project is a vegan organisation. It doesn't see animals as uh, objects to make a profit from. It sees animals as subjects in their own right 
and it attempts to um, showcase them as, well, what they could be really and what they weren't. So um, they weren't bobby calves. Um, they've got a life in front of them and we want to show people that the cruelty associated with the dairy industry and, and killing these beautiful animals. You, you touched on this a little bit before and um, I think it's an important distinction to make that, you know, you've you've met a lot of dairy farmers who are quite good and then they, you know, on the face of it do appear to love their animals. Um, I, I had a similar conversation with Mike Joy a couple of weeks ago when I was interviewing him where, you know, he said it that himself that he doesn't think farmers are the ones necessarily that's uh, the problem here. It's the industry and it's what the industry has, has pushed on farmers in terms of nitrogen fertilizer, which is, you know, destroying our waterways. And um, it's a similar thing, I think, from what you're saying is, the systematic issues with the dairy industry is really what's the problem here. Did you get any negative responses from the dairy industry for what you were doing? Um, I did get some individualised negative responses from particular dairy farmers, and it was all via social media. So um, that was, I think, not representative of all dairy farmers. I think it was a particular section of dairy farmers who were using social media to attack me because they perceived that I was attacking the industry. And that's understandable. Um, I have received all number of threats towards me and I've had my workplace contacted, my prior workplace contacted, um, and... um, and complained about because I was participating in anti-dairy activism. Um, You know, I've had been called all kinds of names and, and, um, and bullied basically because of speaking out about my beliefs, what I consider that the dairy industry is systematically cruel to dairy cows and calves. So, um, and I would like to see an end to the dairy industry. I would like to see it phased out and I would like to see it replaced with um, plant agriculture. And, um, and, and I think that that is a distinct uh, possibility that this could happen. But, um, yes, I, to answer your question, I have had a lot of negativity. I try not to dwell on that. I try to dwell on, on staying positive and trying to... Um, trying to get the message out there in such a way that people can take it on board for themselves. A lot of people perceive vegans as pushing their own agenda on other people. In reality, um, vegans, um, well, myself personally as a vegan, I don't speak for all vegans at all, um, I I believe more in being able to offer alternative worldviews and for people to explore and underpinning those worldviews are particular values. And I believe that most New Zealanders have got really strong values of care for animals and love for animals. Um, This is something that we're well known for across the world. So I believe that most New Zealanders will be appalled once they realise the true extent of what happens in the dairy industry. I also think that farmers, many farmers sort of have believed there is no alternative to doing what they have to do. And in reality, that's true. What are they going to do with all the bobby cows? I've had farmers come back at me and say, well, you know, what are you going to do with them? Or are you going to put them on your lawn? Well, no, I'm not. I'm going to put them on my lawn. I can't. I don't have a solution as long as the dairy, calf, dairy cows are going to produce calves and the numbers that they are in order to produce milk. There is no solution to it. The only solution to this is 
to stop dairying in New Zealand. And I think this would be a really good outcome because we know that dairying is affecting um, the environment, as you mentioned, Mike Joy, before, um, through nitrogen runoff into the waterways is one of the biggest issues with dairying. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure placed on farmers to address that issue. And I do believe farmers, I can't speak for farmers, but I do believe that they're under a lot of stress in terms of the requirements put upon them, both for animal welfare and environmental concerns. Um, the root cause of all this is the industry itself. And if we can sort of look at the industry as an unsustainable industry in terms of our future of as humans on the planet, we can begin to look at alternatives and think of ways that we can live with the earth and that is that is more um, uh, sustainable, able to, to keep going so that we don't ruin the land and for future generations and that we can actually be proud of our actions while we're here. Um, we we don't really want a history where we've massacred millions of, of baby calves. I, I, and essentially what it is, it's a massacre. It's a massacre. And, um, and, and most people love baby calves. Humans are naturally compassionate if they're tuned into that side of them. They don't want to see them killed. So I think we need to explore what's going on. And also we need to understand that there is an alternative. A lot of people think that there is no alternative. Dairy is the backbone of the New Zealand economy. It doesn't have to be that way. We can explore other other ways of making um, making our economy strong apart from dairy. Yeah, I think you're right. When you actually recognise that we've got a problem here, then you can think about a just transition for these people who, um, I think you're right, are under a lot of pressure. Um you know, there's there's no point going around demonising farmers or, um, you know, trying to pl- place all the blame and problems on them. Um, we do have to have a just transition. What's the main thing that you would want people listening today to understand about the dairy industry? If they were going to take on board what we're talking about, what's the kind of main thing you'd want people to understand? Well, I want them to sort of, if if they're not, um, have have not chosen, if they're still drinking milk and participating in consuming dairy, I want them to think about their choices and the implications of those choices for the animals. Um, The milk that comes from dairy cows, which is produced in enormous quantities in New Zealand, um, has come from a cow who has had her calf taken from her, who has experienced grief at having her calf taken from her. And I think that's one point I haven't touched on yet in terms of animal cruelty, institutionalised animal cruelty in the dairy industry. So milk and milk products are not cruelty-free. They actually um, have got a lot of um, cruelty uh, and underpinning them. Um, as we've already discussed, there's the bobby calf issue, the killing of bobby calves, um, the cow calf separation, the enormous um, expectation we have on cows to be producing milk in the quantities that they do and the effects that have on their bodies, the fact that cows will usually be killed at a fraction of their natural lifespan. So if you are a conscious consumer who likes to ensure that they're uh, what they um, eat and drink and consume and buy is coming from sustainable and cruelty-free sources, then you need to reconsider your consumption of dairy on an individual level. 
And I think for me, you know, becoming vegan um, and taking milk out of my diet, any milk products out of my diet, was essential to make sure that my beliefs were consistent with my behaviour. And I know that it's not going to solve all the problems, but at least I can can live knowing that I am not currently participating in it. and I'd like people to think about that on an individual level. I do believe that our solutions long-term are more society and politically and economically based rather than on the individual level, although it would be lovely if everyone turned vegan overnight. Um, that's not something that's going to happen in the near future. So we need to look at long-term social, economic and political change and how we can support that. So we've just had um, the elections. Um, for me, I was looking at policies whereby um, there was a um, whereby the animals um, were considered and the policies whereby they were looking at what forms of economy are more sustainable going into the future. Um, so you need to think about your political, people need to think about their political choices as well and whether they are aligning with their values and beliefs. So for me, that would be the take-home message. I am just like anybody else. I am a, an individual person who who had a wake-up call about dairying um, about 10 years ago, and I saw the suffering firsthand from someone who was um, – I was renting a property and the calves on the property were being reared there. They'd come out of the dairy industry. They were being reared for beef. I saw those young calves being put on my property. I saw those calves suffer and I saw that um, their deaths meant very little to the calf rearer and and only meant um, that it was a loss of money. And uh, I woke up then and I haven't, looked back, I basically stopped consuming dairy overnight because I didn't actually want to be part of that. I found mm-hmm. it to be very difficult to sit in a cafe and, for example, and drink a coffee that was made out of milk, knowing what I knew. <laughs> Once I knew, I couldn't go back. I couldn't reconcile um, my consumerist behaviour with my underpinning beliefs and values. And, and it was a life-changing thing for me. And I've and I haven't looked back. And um, I I I don't want to come across as a person who wants to force my beliefs and opinions on other people because I don't think that's ever helpful. I'm an educator, and and I think what is most helpful is to provide opportunities for people to reflect on their own values for themselves in terms of the realities that are there. And in terms of their consumption of dairy products, think about that. Think about the cruelty behind that consumption and think about your choices in relation to that. And then and then going wider, sort of think about how we can affect change on a broader social, political and economic scale. You have been listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by Safe the Animals, New Zealand's leading animal rights organisation and produced by myself, Will Appleby. Make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. If you want to support the show, head to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash animal matters. 
Until next time, Matewa.